podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. So. Happy uh, New Year, man. It's 2016. Yep. And uh, we're going to take a little opportunity here to talk about um, our best of picks from 2015. Yeah. A little late to the game on this. We meant to do it before the year end, before the holidays, but That's life right. kind of got away, away from even, us. We're yeah. week into January. We're fine. January. It gives you a, minute, gives you a couple of days to think about it. So um, before we jump in and start talking about our lists and our picks uh, for 2015, do you have any New Year's resolutions, Santos? No. Uh. You're just perfect as you are. Yeah, I'm good. You know, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm good. I don't need to. What do I need to do? What am I going to do? No, everything's. I'm just going to repeat my same performance as 2015. It's fucking 2016 is a year of more of the same. Wow. Nah, nice. I'm fucking kidding. No, of course I want <laughs> shit to improve. You know, of course I want. I uh, you know, no resolution. So I I, I don't I don't, don't do it. In it. I don't believe it. it. I do I do feel like um like it's a good time to sort of take stock. Look at shit, you know, make sure you're on the right path. Um, you know, make sure shit's heading in the right direction or whatever, you know. And, um, but, you know, and I, I think that just kind of happens naturally. I don't force it. It just kind of happens. And and it's, resolutions are hard. It's a rough deal, man. I mean, I did for for a while. Like, when I had my own business, like, this was the time, like, I would take the first week of January and I would break out everything month by month this month this is going to happen by february this will be done by march this will be done by april and those were like you know because i was a freelancer i worked alone you know work by if you don't do that you don't have a plan for like you can get fucking lost you know for sure (laughs) so but that i don't you know no not anymore now i get you know now i just need to you just need to do a good job of what's in front of me you know i got I got a baby, I got a job, I got a wife, I got, you know, those are my things. Yeah. Those are my th- things that I got. I got my friends, I got, just be good across those fronts and fuck it, I'm good. And be good to yourself, right? Yep. But, um, no, other than that, no. How how were your holidays? Was it, was it good? It's good. Yeah, we yeah. spent some time in Costa Rica. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you were in Costa Rica. I have to say, Costa Rica, and I think a lot of times you kind of encounter these things in general. You know, the area we went was, uh, we flew into Liberia and we went to a town um, that was small beach area just outside of the closest town was this town called Coco. Mm-hmm. And that whole area is, I mean, it's a more touristy area. I wouldn't say it's like the most touristy place I've ever been. And where we went was like, we were 15, 20 minutes still up the road, like way up in the hills. So we were, it's kind of a perfect location because we had this amazing vista view of the sea, but we could get back to town really quick. Mm. Um, go to a grocery store, go pick up stuff, like go to a little restaurant. But the fucking restaurants on the beach that cater to tourists. Some I bullshit. Mean, oh my God. I, <laughs> you know, I go to these gorgeous places and Nicole was, my wife was a little bummed out about this because we went to this place and it was gorgeous and the weather was gorgeous and like the trip just isn't complete for me if the food isn't good. I'm with you, man. I'm so I mean, a with lot you. of the reason I was stoked because when we, you know, you went down to Mexico and Aurora yeah. for you and it wasn't like the fanciest food ever, but it is legit. Legit. And that's yep. kind of what I was expecting. We only had one meal that was like that. And we had to yeah. have this guy who was like a native tour guide who also took us on this blowaway tour of 
uh, on this boat down this river through the national forest. And he knew everything about every tree and every animal. We saw two species of monkeys. We saw like six crocodiles. You're on a boat? We saw tons of birds. Yeah. Just going down this river that's fed from the mountains through this national park that's like Fuck me. 50, 100,000 acres of preserve. So much of Costa Rica. That's what Costa Rica has done really well is they've preserved so much of the land, un- mm. unlike a lot of those other countries. Um, they haven't necessarily preserved like historical architecture and things like that as well, but they have preserved the nature really well. So it's sort of like an eco tourist destination. Um, But he took us after this tour up into the hills and we had this very traditional Costa Rican meal at this woman's house. Basically she had a couple picnic tables set up. She cooked outside in like a little sort of brick oven and these, but tortillas like you've never had. They were like, kind of like fluffier or spongier than your typical tortilla. Oh, yeah. She had marinated um, beef and like slow sort of stewed chicken, amazing rice, you know, pour some like she had like uh, pickled peppers that she'd made herself. And oh, my God, I don't, you know, you can keep your fucking pina coladas with a giant straw and all that bullshit that they serve you on the beach. I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have if it was convenient to go back to this woman's house every day for every meal, I would have gone. You would have been there. Yeah. Or gone to places exactly like that. Yeah. The authentic cuisine, like even though it's a very, it's a very simple rice and beans and a little meat. So delicious. Like the care and attention that they put into, like we just don't, when you have simple ingredients that like is all you have access to, like you have to wring every bit of flavor and like you become an expert at cooking those ingredients and the, all the different ways to get flavor out of them and to complement the other things that you're making. And this woman was a master at using, you know, these very simple basic ingredients and making an unbelievably delicious meal. Oh, wow. God. Yeah, man, that's the, I'm with you. Having like good food is, and that's why you go to other places, right? Yep. So you're not eating fucking mozzarella sticks. Absolutely. <laughs> right? The, the girls still ate, like, you know, chicken fingers and fries or fish fingers and fries and shit. But, yeah. They're kids. Agreed. Even they loved were Vivian, who's our younger daughter, who's, like, kind of going through that picky phase. She loved this woman's food. Because the most she ate the entire meal. So wow. there's a yeah. ray, of, ray of hope right there. There you go, yeah. You know, she's their... She's my daughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I got, um, I bought my ticket for The Revenant today. Oh, nice. Yeah, I really want to go see that. Tomorrow night I'm going to go. Nice. Yeah, like quarter to ten. What do you think of that? So yeah, I, I poured a, a whiskey here. So I wanted to ask you, um, I know nothing about it's Scotch. Okay. I know nothing about Scotch whiskey. Um, So I wanted to, I, I got a whiskey that... um. It's not a Lagavulin. Where is it? No, what, it's, well, not, it's not I, a Laphroaig. I should say. It's not a Laphroaig. I was going to ask you if you could tell by, if you could tell the region it's from. Mm. If you could tell, like, where this is from. It's from Isla. Uh-huh. It is. <laughs> fucking A, man. Um, Look at you, Frost. I, fucking A. I feel like it's not a Lagavulin and it's not a Laphroaig, though. Oh, wow. That's something, huh? Oh, I don't know if that's any good. <laughs> um, It is... Oh, an Ardbeg. Yeah. Do you know this? 
Yes. Maybe I haven't had the 10. Is it any good? I mean, if you like Petey Scotch, I'm... That's Petey in a motherfucker, isn't it? It is really Petey. Holy shit. I was smelling like... My, just open it. I got some on my fingers, and it smells like a yeah. fucking... It smells like a campfire. Like I, Exactly. Like yeah. I've been cleaning up fucking briquettes all night. That is a that is a fucking strong motherfucker. Yeah, so the, the peat that they use to um, malt the barley... You know, in the process, mm-hmm. is it just has that like smoky. It's from the it washes up onto the island, or there's something about it. It's like characteristic of the the region that it's from, and um, they just develop the scotch is just developed because that's what they had to use for fuel in this process. Was like scrape up all this peat, do this thing. It lends the smoke smoky character to it, um, and. Some people absolutely love it, and to them, it's the only kind. Like Rob loves it; he loves a really peaty scotch. Yeah, it's all he wants to drink. Um, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence. I lean more towards the either like mild peat, which is why that um, we here did we try we tried a Springbank one time. I think. That was the one. To be honest with you, the only reason I brought this this time was because I've never had a Scotch whiskey that I that opened right me up. I was like. Oh, there's level... I mean, I always knew that there... Obviously, I mean, everybody that's knowledgeable about liquor and, you know, have some sort of taste. You you always, you you know, you hear about people getting super into scotch whiskey. You're obviously into it, and I know you have good taste. So, I always knew that that world was there, and I never got into it. But Because I had always just kind of been blown away by stuff like this, and it's like... That's too over the top. And that thing, the Springbank... That was yeah. that walks like because it's also an island and it's it's uh, Campbellton, um, but it, for me it's like that's the if I if I'm gonna drink something, I've had I have upstairs a Lafroig 15 that I actually really like, uh-huh. but that's just like I drink it very occasionally. This is a little too peaty for my taste personally. Um, I, something... I don't quite go there. But a lot of people swear by, like, um, our friend Grant, for example, his favorite scotch is a Lagavulin. Uh-huh. And that is not quite as peaty as this, maybe pulled back a notch or two. Okay. But way beyond the stuff that, you know, like that um, Springbank 21 that we drank last episode. Yeah. That is, like, smooth. That's like a highland. Oh, yeah. You know, in that port port would finish like makes it even more smooth and rounds it out with even no that wasn't springbank that was ball balvany balvany yeah yeah but we had the springbank we had springbank before. a couple yeah. times ago. yeah and that just has like it just has that hint of a little smoke that gives it a depth exactly of character yeah that yeah that i think is is brilliant which is why they've seen like it's become one of the when they reopen that distillery, it's become one of the most popular scotches. Like, so is that right? Done it. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is actually, to be honest with you, this is growing on me a little bit because if you can get, it I will. Think, it'll open up a little bit. It'll too, open up. I'm sure. It, yeah. Um, yeah. The the moment that I had, so when I first got into scotch, like I first, like a lot of people, I first started drinking Macallan because it's one of the most ubiquitous scotches at bars and it's just really accessible. Mm-hmm. It's a Highland Scotch, very smooth. Aged um, in, um, I th- like cherry cast or something like something. It gives it a very smooth kind of sweeter finish as well. Okay. Um, 
And uh, the second scotch I ever bought was I was like, just like you, like, oh, I want to try something completely different. I want to try a polar opposite. So I got this Laphroaig 15. I was like, wow, it's a 15. It's a pretty good price. Um, it's maybe priced less because it's less accessible to a lot of people because it's more polarizing because of being an Isla uh, mm-hmm. malt. And it's and the moment that I had, the night before Nicole and I got married, we had a bunch of people over at the house, and I was walking around in shorts. It was a hot summer day, which is normally when you wouldn't think of drinking scotch. And I had a glass, and I had been like walking around talking to people, and I let the scotch open up, and I was drinking it. I was walking around. I was like, this is fucking amazing. Really? So... So I do think there is something to be said for, like I said, I, I like, I'll never fully write them off. Like it might not be the core of what I want to drink in a whiskey on a day to day basis, but I, I think that there's merit to them. Yeah. And I think that if you're fully write them off, like you're missing out. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause there's something else in there too, behind that smoke. Like there's like, um, something like almost like fucking seaweed or something in there. Yeah. A lot of times what they do is, uh, on Isla, they, so they use the peat uh, in the process of malting the barley. They put it in the cask. And what they do is they take the cask, and a lot of times, because um, they generally have to hide the cask because they're putting these things in the wall for 15 years, and it's an enormous amount of money. And there have been in the history of distilleries, people will break, will steal the casks. So a lot of times they move everyone who isn't like the family the or the critical out staff here. out of the factory. They put it in the wall, and they brick it up where they like cement over it and they paint the whole factory so that no one knows where the 25 year old scotch is going to be. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, with Isla malts, sometimes they age them in uh, the barrels. They put the barrels in sea caves and the water goes in and out and in and out. You are shitting me. And uh, it washes up against the casts, And that's where you get that sort of sea flavor unbelievable jesus christ that's, there's a whole fucking world there of yeah, whiskey that's yeah that's I good think right? after it like it d- the smokiness dissipates a little bit um i've noticed it already yeah. yeah it opens up a little bit it's nice yeah um all right so i was uh we were talking about the revenant um yeah i'm going tomorrow night um late like almost 10 o'clock and it's a three hour movie i can't wait jesus uh, i'm gonna have to take a fucking <laughs> i'm gonna have to take a nap first i'm so fucking right. old um, Three hours, huh? Well, two I mean, I guess what—that's par for the course for Inurito. Uh, our man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm psyched. I haven't been this excited for a movie. I can't remember last. He's time. a great director. I love him. Ever, I love him. Ever since uh, it was Amoros Peros that was his first film, right? I, and when or I his saw first that film that made it to the states, yeah, least. that's yeah. the first. That was my introduction to him. Yeah, and I was just floored. I was like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. And then Beautiful. Yep. Um, I watched that, and then the second it ended, I fucking started over again. I watched that movie twice in a row, like, in one sitting. It was, that movie is, it was, it's fucking amazing. Um, and then I freaked out over Birdman. Right. I mean, it was like, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I'm like, Inurito and fucking Raymond Carver, like, two of my favorite fucking things. How is this? Ha- this is right. unbelievable. Um, and now this man. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I'm super psyched. And cause you've been reading about it for so long. It's so hyped. Yep. You know, and you know, I've, I've been not looking too closely, but you know, and I don't give a fuck. I mean, you know, you see, cause when you, 
you just open anything and you look and it's like, you know, some bullshit like Jezebel. Oh, I don't think he's going to win the Oscar for this. And it's like, oh, well, fuck Who you. Who fucking like, cares? Like, that dude doesn't care. Bang yourself. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. I mean, look at the bullshit that wins Oscars. <laughs> for God's sake, right? Yeah. I, who gives a shit? But um, I'm super psyched. I can't wait. Awesome. So in the last podcast, you mentioned that you had a beef with the new Star Wars. So let's ha- let's have that shit out right here. Cause, All right, man. Let's sort it. Yeah. Uh, you, we might you... come, we, I might throw my whiskey at you. But... <laughs> so here's my thing. Um, it it's ama- It looks amazing. Like I, I the experience of like sitting down in a theater and watching Star Wars for the first time as an adult, like in watching like the because I don't consider like. I saw the prequels, of course, and yeah. and you're just like, yeah, you know, it, it, you, it really did feel like the first time since I was like 12 years old that a Star Wars film was again in the theater. Exactly. So, and all of that, like, I loved all of that. You know what I mean? I was super excited for that. Um, and but the thing is, is as the movie, as it was going, I'm like, okay, I'm here, I'm ready, and I'm soaking it all in. And you're like, um, all right, yeah, no, that already happened. And you're like, nope, nope, that already ha- Oh, wait a minute. This is the same fucking movie. Oh, yeah. I just... Yeah. Okay, great. So what you did is you took this incredible franchise and then it's a movie made by committee. So it's like, how do we make this thing to appeal to every fucking body? How do we get... How do we just turn this into a money-making machine? That's all that thing is. So here's my, here's my counter-argument. Because I... I am not going to argue with you that it isn't a facsimile of the first Star Wars film, that it takes all of the major moments and it recreates them. I will not argue that for a second. What I will argue is that is exactly what the Star Wars community needed to reset the fucking table. It was That movie was a warm hug from J.J. Abrams to the Star Wars community to say, forget the atrocities that George Lucas committed with the prequel films and we need to just literally, literally you see the movie happens amongst the fucking wreckage and iconography of the star Wars. Like we are resetting the table here. We are rebuilding this universe. I am going to give this community a warm hug. JJ Abrams (laughs) is very adept at knowing what a community needs and taking these franchises and moving them forward and I give him a lot of credit because I think he took a bullet and said, I'm going to do this film and I'm going to reset the table and I'm going to generate goodwill that's missing and that has been absent from the community. And then I'm going to let Ryan Johnson and all these other people be the innovators that move forward and push oh, in new Jesus ways. Jesus Christ. Fuck, man. I don't... That makes... That's uh, hard to... I, I like that you're reframing it that way. I'd never thought of it like that. Fuck, man. All right. Well, I'll give you that. Like, that's... That's hard to argue. And you're right. We needed that, right? Because there's no way I give a shit about... And, and I also think he subtly does innovative things. The fact that we have a female protagonist and mm-hmm. a female Jedi. The fact that we have a black actor. He almost had actor. To. Uh, you as had... a main character and uh, sort of what we see as p- a potentially developing love interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. Could, yeah, I, I don't give him credit for that. Like that was made. That was Disney. That that he that was a that was an edict. He he had no choice in that. 
he had no part in that. I don't think. Um, and also, I just there's, I, I still it's the experience of watching it. Like when you you like, this is the same fucking X wing fight. Like this is the same thing. We're this is the same Death Star. This is the same fucking like, yeah, the same guys. The same the same angle. The same everything. And it's like you have everything. You have uh, resources beyond any film in the entire world. And when George Lucas made the first one, he had dick. And yeah. your shit looks exactly the same. I I think, and I think that was entirely intentional. All right. That's, I think he had yeah. to do something that felt so canon and felt like yeah. basically him locking eyes with the hardcore community yeah. and saying, I get you. And it wasn't even just the hardcore community. Like my mom texted me after she saw it and was like, that was fucking amazing. Like she could have given a shit about any of the films besides the first trilogy. She's not a hardcore Star Wars fan. Yep. She loved it. Yeah. I think, I think the reason why we're seeing it break all these records is because he brilliantly knows how to make it resonate with the hardest of the hardcore fans and the casual viewer. That's the genius. And I think you're not going to see that from Ryan Johnson. Okay. You're going to see a much edgier film, I predict. And something that feels, something that is going to push. All right. But you, honestly, you have to reset and this generate. This is a palate cleanser. You have to reset and generate that goodwill before you can go there. So this is a sorbet. Yes. I think it's a very well done sorbet. I thought, I it enjoyed is... it very much. I thought it was entertaining. It made me, as a kid who, for, my first film was Star Wars in the theater, to me, it was like the the world has been set right again, and it made me feel oh. like a, the kid again who watched those films. Fuck. All right. And to create something that so deftly does that, but at the same time feels a little modern, I think that's hard to do. God damn it. All right. Well, you know what? I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i go see it again with that lens, because that that's an argument that I have not heard. I mean, there's a reason that Han Solo and Chewbacca and all those people are back in there, mm-hmm. but that we're moving on from that yeah yeah there was just so much that was yeah oh but, no i completely agree yeah no as you're, as and you you're not arguing you're not arguing Han that. walking out on that bridge and like you knew as soon as they all came in there to witness it like this is this is the obi-wan moment like there was yeah literally zero doubt what was going to happen in that moment right however i don't think jj abrams thought he was fooling anyone either he all right, was, no, yeah. He was playing out those same moments that we all needed. Like you said, you just taking a bullet. Yep. All right, man. Well, I'll tell you that is I can't imagine any other argument that I would have I would have bought. <laughs> I, I can't I honestly can't think of anything else that I would have agreed with you on, but that makes sense. I got to say that does make sense. And I'll go see it again with with that in mind. But I I yeah, I was I was I was a little bit bummed, but all right, so before we hop in, I just got to say, because I, I saw this come across the wire, uh, the virtual Facebook wire today, and I dug deeper to make sure that the this information was accurate yep. after I got burned on the Big Lebowski, too. <laughs> uh, HBO has committed to a Deadwood movie. Mil- the shit. Milch has pitched them a story, and they have committed, and they haven't confirmed that everyone from the original cast is coming back yet, but... 
the amount of passion that all those actors had for that show and still have when they talk about it in interviews and things like that from other stuff. I can't imagine that David Milch is going to struggle to get any of those people to come back. Oh my God. You're going to get Timothy Oliphant. You're going to get Ian McShane. You're going to get all the major players back. And we, it might not be for a while, but we are going to see a Deadwood movie, which dude, we all wanted some, some better closure. I'm watching it again right yeah. now for probably oh. the the 10th time. Oh, you're watching it right now? I'm on like the fourth. I, oh, wow. And I know like at this point, like I know every line, like I know it by heart, the whole entire series. I've seen it the entire thing 10 times and I'm watching it again right now. <laughs> Like, I can't get enough yeah. of it. I'm going to hold off a little bit until they announce, like, an air date, and then I'm going to rewatch it closer to when, yeah. when the new one comes out. But That's yeah. great news. So, yeah. There you go. Fucking thanks, man. Came That's out, that news, news broke today, so. Killer. Yeah, good oh, shit. nice. They originally said they were going to make two movies to close it out at the time, but then it was HBO just was like, nah, too expensive. HBO's fucking struggling, I think, honestly. Jesus, yeah. I mean, they ha- they have the jinx or whatever, but they just they can't keep up with Netflix. Netflix is fucking crushing everyone. The rate at which they're coming out. If you look on Rotten Tomatoes right now, the top four highest rated TV shows all belong to Netflix. That's insane. And two of the others belong to Amazon. It's the insane. whole world is being recrafted right now, and the rate and the pace at which Netflix is making this happen. Amazon hasn't got it cracked yet. We're not even talking about Apple and Google coming into this right. show. And Google is certainly going to go there. With the YouTube Red stuff, they just announced the, oh, yeah. their first show. So yep. um, the the content makers, the people that were handing everyone their asses five, ten years ago, the HBOs, the AMCs, I don't know. That yeah. end of the Badlands show? Oh, dude. Disappointment. Oh. Serious disappointment. Dude, that thing's a bummer in the summer. The, I, I, the way I, I watched looks, four minutes. The way it looks is so cheesy. The cinematography and the lighting. It's terrible. I actually re- like the action scenes and I like some of the characters. The overall story isn't great. It's not de- It's not deliberate enough about the time period it's in. It isn't carved. It's almost like we're going to walk this line between traditional kung fu like where they're like trying to pay homage to it's like they have one foot in the world of mad max and one foot in the world of like traditional kung fu films and it just doesn't work yeah i i don't know that that's the reason that it doesn't work because those two could somehow live together in this but you've got to add something thing. else into it it's like or it they're just, just to be well done they're like, just scratching to... the surface of both those things there's no depth to it it's like okay there's no there's no guns, and I don't quite understand why there's no guns. Besides, they were outlawed, which doesn't really make any sense because there's all there is is war and violence. So the idea that you would outlaw guns in favor of like martial arts doesn't make any sense. But everyone drives around on these like like this guy's this fancy motorcycle, rice rockets, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that like, actually, I mean, if you like, go that picking deep, poppy. If you go that deep in it, then and, and but you don't have like solar panels. Like you live in something that looks like a southern plantation. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like I mean, for me, it's just like it, like it, it's it's just the basics. It's written poorly. It's shot poorly. It's it's shot poorly. really poorly. I mean, I'm shocked. Are you aren't you amazed at how poorly it's shot? It looks it looks terrible. shitty. It looks terrible. It, it's so cartoonish. And someone was like, "Well, they're trying to pay homage to no, like, no, no, no." It looks like shit. I don't care yeah. what you're trying to pay. 
It looks terrible. Like if you're tr- if you are trying to get into like a comic, there's other ways of doing it. Right. You know what I mean? Because there isn't even like a. It's not like there's a wash on it. It's not like there is a a an, any sort of like effect on it. It's just like it's just like poorly lit. Yeah. It looks terrible. All right. Anyhow, um, talking about the things that suck, let's talk about the. Let's talk about the really good things good shit, of yeah. last year. So yeah, we just got. We're just doing. Yeah. Best of 2015, right? Yeah, I think we said upper limit five. I found it really hard to limit it to five, and I know you said that you changed your list a few times, and I think I don't even have five things. I've got way more than five on my list here, so I'm just gonna have to fucking prioritize on the fly here and pick and choose yeah do your thing man i i'll be honest like i didn't go yeah i think um i got i got shit on here that um i got shit on here that we've talked about before do you all right it's all right i feel a little bit bad about that but so um yeah, I mean, I, I probably talked about one of these books or some of this stuff. All right, so the first thing I'm going to talk about is Fargo Season 2. Motherfucker. Is that on your list, too? At, nearly at the top. Yeah. <laughs> nearly at the top. It was top. one of the first things I thought of. I mean... It, so fucking good. It approaches... It gets nearly... I can't think of... I, I binge-watched it in... Um, it's it's at least... It's Breaking Bad level shit. Yeah. The, the first season... Um, was obviously got a lot of critical acclaim and a lot of raves and people love that. Everyone who's watching okay. the first season, I'm like, just wait till you get to the second season. The second season is oh. at least 30% better oh. than the first season. Dude. It, oh, I would say it's twice as good. It is unbelievable. The score yeah. is fucking amazing. It's true. The I, music. I think the, Ger- the Gerhardt family, Dude. the whole idea of like this North Dakota, like... Kind of like not inbred, but like close knit, sort of very Scandinavian slash German um, crime family, and especially so living up here, fucking brilliant. And I mean, for anyone who grew up in the Midwest and you know this area of the world and knows about the posse comitatus and like all that bullshit, it's like none of that stuff is far fetched, right? It's yeah. it's all probably based on some sort of historical, you know, some historical actual real people or precedent but um so many ama- it's like across the board listen amazing actors the acting it's, is it, it's fucking re- killer yeah. i mean it is an embarrassment of riches it is from an man. acting and writing and you get that culkin the yeah. culkin brother yeah <laughs> so slimy yeah such a greasy little bastard kieran culkin is that it that's who it is yeah there's so many of them it's hard to keep so track. creepy and so great and you got yeah that family and then you've got the great like just like doofus fucking butcher yeah. right he's great yeah who he's is such an idiot um what's his name from breaking bad and friday night last jesse plemons what the fuck was he in breaking bad he was todd in breaking bad the guy who's the whose uncle is the white supremacist. Oh my guy. god! He yeah, 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 the yeah, yeah, on the yeah, motorcycle. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! He plays a m- moron in that too, <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and then uh, his wife's name, Kirsten uh, Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Oh my god, she's so her good. character is amazing. It's so the, good. Like, evolution of her character in this. At first, it was like, 
oh, what are they going to do with this? But the, right. the way it goes is just unreal. Because she so really good. does turn the page and she becomes her greatest self. <laughs> and that's and that's it. And then she is on that. Right. And, and being on that level for her t- keeps them alive. Or, you know, yeah. for as long as, as, you know, they're able to. And So I've got one one bone to pick with the show. Talk I think to there's me. one yeah. blemish on an otherwise perfect thing. And it's the fucking UFO bullshit. Dude, are you kidding me? I think that's genius. What? That's part of the story. Like that was in the original thing. Like there was so there were there were stories of like UFO sightings that were happening around here at that time, or around there at that time. And like it wasn't like a huge it wasn't it didn't play a part in the story, but people it was like it wasn't like I think they did such a good job of incorporating that because it it's there, but it doesn't really have an effect, but it kind of does. People are just like, what the hell? And other shit's going down. I thought that was genius. Oh, I didn't like it. Really? I thought it was like this. It's just kind of slapped in here. It almost had this like deus ex machina effect during yeah, this yeah, yeah. Like, height of this action scene. I was like, this action scene would be absolutely perfect without this fucking thing. I was just like, I, I, it makes me feel a little bit, the historical tie-in or whatever makes me feel a little bit better about it. It was unnecessary and it, it wasn't required. I felt like it was this like, and then other, it felt really um, like an off key note to me. And so I can hear, I can hear very that. off tone with the rest of it. I can hear that for just sure. Like it it is way off. Nowhere. It's way off tone. And, and that's what I think is like, what a bold, it's so bold to do that. Like, like what a chance that they're taking, you know? Um, yeah. and I do hear you. It is kind of like a, like the Deus Ex Machina, like weird, but it doesn't play a big enough part to do that. Like it doesn't have any effect. It saves the Patrick Wilson character's life. Uh, why? Because he gets distracted. Yeah. The dude is about to like do him in. I s- it saves his life. God, that could be argued. I, I, all right. It, here's the thing. Like, that's a small. It's a small. It's a small thing. Like, that that thing. That I mean. No, and that's why I described it as a blemish. Okay, fair. Not enough. like a critical fault or something. Fair like enough. That. I yeah. actually, I, I really, I thought it was really clever. Um, I'll tell you another, something else. Um, like their aesthetic in this is so good. The music direction is amazing. Um, and that use of split screen, I think, is just genius. Like, you know, they, they obviously shot for it, but like, I, I think that I've, I can't remember seeing that done before in, in that, at, with that level of, of like sophistication, you know? Yeah. The, I have to say that like, God, the, the Hanzi character, <laughs> like one of the best characters of all time. So, so fucking good. So, so good. complicated and so weird. The Mike Milligan character, his also, vo- he's so good. Yeah, the fucking twins that he has as oh, his like the henchmen. Twins? Yeah, God, <laughs> the kitchen twins. So they don't talk. Amazing. Yeah, they don't talk. And yeah, the Mike Milligan character, like fucking Ted Danson, so good. So good. Oh my God, he's yeah. so fucking great. And then there's that, all that complexity, like with with his daughter. Um, and yep. like you know, in cancer, in the in testing the medication, and yep. um, 
Oh god, I think that thing that was that was way at the top of my list. Unbelievably good. Yeah. Um it it was potentially it, it was in the running I think for the best TV of the year. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I can't I, I don't know what's better. I mean as far as a drama, I mean there's some documentary stuff obviously that Yeah. Yeah. But, I I would I would the only one that I would make a case for which is up at the top of my list is leftovers and i know you're i know yeah. it's it's not working for you but i cannot like i'm just it, it just i'll fuck, finish it it kills i'll me. finish it like on you know based on your recommendation but i've just gotten to the point where oh, there's just, just so me. much shit out there that i just if something isn't working and it's not just blowing me away like i've been i've been to watch the nick forever i just downloaded the first season of the nick um, because I've had multiple people say like, this is like square. Like, I know the stuff you love, you're going to love this. And I just like, it's finding the time to watch everything. Cause there's just so many, Yeah, it's coming from so many sources and it's coming so fast these days that, yep. um, you just have to, you have to be selective. And if something isn't amazing, I'm going to move on quick. I'm with you, man. I, I, I totally hear you. Um, but God, and, and here's the thing, like, I think from there's a, and here's, I think what other people that know me and my taste would say is that, okay, dude, this is probably, I'm also, I, one of my favorite things, favorite bands in the entire world that I listen to all the time is crowded house. And I'm not about to start like (laughs) pounding that down your fucking throat. Right. Because I realize that it's not for everybody, but like in the same with the leftovers, like I don't think, and you, I don't want you to waste your time on it if you're not digging it, but for me, like it's it's heart wrenching, and it and it and it and it tackles super complex issues in a way under these extreme circumstances, or in these circumstances create these everyday issues of like you questioning marital love and like in the the stress that it puts on on relationships and like it the way that it approaches those things and brings those things to like another level. I think is I think it's genius. You know, it, it puts it, it shines another light on, on the issues that we all have in loving people. And I, I just, ah, God, it, it just killed me. It slayed me. I, I just love it. I love it. All right. Well, I'm not saying that I won't go back and check it out. But it's never going to do it for you. And that's fine. I mean, it's, I, it's, maybe it, it, I, I, I have to say the second season is a lot better. I'm like, watch maybe the first three episodes of the second season. It's a lot better than the first season. Yeah. I like the first season too, but it doesn't hold a candle to the second season. Right. All right. Um, so all right. what else you got? I just, I just stole. Well, that was my pick. So I just happened to, I also happened to be your pick, but so why don't you, yeah. you pick something off of your list. All right. Off of my list. Here's something that I loved in 2015. Um, that I had, I put on my list today because it came up in, in the feed today and, and I wasn't, um, I hadn't thought of it in a while, but one of the things that I loved in 2015 was pizza rat. <laughs> do you remember pizza rat did, you, did it come up because pizza rat has now been usurped by cannibal rat no no have you seen cannibal rat get the fuck out of here yeah cannibal rat is the newest thing all of a sudden this from since the dawn of time rats have probably been doing completely insane shit in new york city and all of a sudden the internet and our fucking new yorkers care about this <laughs> pizza rat is so good but it came up today as a because they somebody claimed pizza rat was a hoax like how, how well, can it be a hoax? <laughs> I don't 
No, I don't know. Like somebody said that there was a woman who had trained rat because there was another, there was another, um, another YouTube rat phenomenon with, um, a guy who'd fallen asleep on a, on a platform and the, the rat was on him and right. he freaked out and he jumped and he was like, he was freaking out. But, but pizza rat, I think I watched pizza rat like 40 times in a row. I just was laughing my fucking ass off watching that fucking rat carry the pizza. I mean, I have seen I have seen squirrels. I have seen a squirrel in my backyard with a giant piece of pizza, like in the exact same way. There, there's by no stretch. And then the next day, the squirrel had like a giant tortilla. This, there's this is by no means out of the bounds of what is. Let's see, is like what is the most likely explanation for this. Like so that, some woman took her time and trained a rat. There's you, yeah, like you're a right. billion rats in New York City, and there's probably a billion slices of pizza too. It is <laughs> not not that fucking unlikely <laughs> no, that a rat grabs a piece of pizza and takes it down. The no, place. that's what I know. It's absurd to think that it was that it's a hoax. And followed up by pizza if rat, if and it's also less if you can see a rat eating another rat and video it right on the fucking platform. So that's. Yeah, yes. I mean, what's cannibal, more outrageous? Cannibal rat is so the, can, new, cannibal the rats... new pizza rat. It's usurping pizza rat. I don't know that you're going to watch it well, 40 times gnarly. in a row. Yeah. It is really gnarly. <laughs> I'll have to check out Cannibal Rat later. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I, I love Pizza Rat, man. I watched, <laughs> watched it fucking a hundred times. I don't know why I thought it was fucking so funny watching him carry that piece of pizza. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, pizza rat. All right, so um, my second pick is um, the Fresh Off the Boat audiobook by Eddie Wong. Ah, uh. are, are you? Do you know Eddie Wong? Are you an Eddie Wong fan? I don't know. Do you do you fuck with Munchies? Uh, his show, Eddie Wong. No, nope. he also has a Fresh Off the Boat, which he had to rename because now they created a sitcom. Oh, they created this kind of watered down sitcom based on it. And T- tell me about, I'll remember this in a minute. I know what this so, is about. Fresh off the boat is the story of this. Uh, it's his autobiography story of him growing up um, in and around Orlando. His parents um, moved to Orlando, opened some restaurants. His dad had uh, a steakhouse and a seafood joint. Okay. Like pretty atypical kind of restaurants. You'd think that they'd open. Uh, he um, was originally from Taiwan. Uh-huh. His, um, you know, family's Taiwanese. His grandpa was like a Taiwanese kind of gangster sort of guy. Um, so he spent like early years kind of going back and forth from Taiwan, maybe even lived in Taiwan a little bit. He talks about um, his sixth birthday at Din Tai Fung. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Din Tai Fung is in Taiwan and in L.A. Yeah. And, you know, I, I almost picked Din Tai Fung as like one of my best <laughs> things of 2015 because I went to Din Tai Fung a lot. Like yeah, maybe, yeah eight times in 2015 maybe right more um and it's unreal and so what i love about this book is it's like the story of this guy who is this young chinese kid who got called a chink by all these white kids and fucking shit on by all these white yes. kids and like yep. threw down and like punched kids in the face and did all stuff it's the story of like being an outsider but this he loved hip-hop what he's what he one of the interesting points he makes is like Everyone is expected as an immigrant that you're going to assimilate up. And he assimilated down. He, like, was really into black culture and hip-hop and sneakers. And then he just had this, like, extreme passion for food. It wasn't even necessarily that his parents were restaurateurs that 
got this, but like he just always loved food. You know, it talks about like his sixth birthday at Din Tai Fung being the seminal experience, and he just loves the all of the fine details and the technique and the amazing things that go into like making food in the way like you know, a Taiwanese food you take like a beef noodle dish and it's like made a bunch of different ways and even in your own family like that evolves like two years later someone's adding in another ingredient and they're tweaking it and like things evolve yeah he just has this way of talking about food and he reads his own audiobook which is cool too oh i love that the way he writes is it's like it's really amazing he's an extremely intelligent guy but he also has this like sort of um hip-hop influence sort of street lingo and he's extremely well read you know Uh he's quoting audrey lord and um, quoting all these different, you know, wow. cultural thinkers and philosophers and poets. And, um, and, uh, so eventually every, everyone who knows this knows like the way the story ends is he becomes this kind of food personality and he right. op- opened up this restaurant called Bauhaus. Right. B-A- That's right. B-A-O, Bau, like That's the, how I remember this. Um, yes. And which is like best pork bun of yep. New York city, like three years running. And everyone was like, He's got this chip on his shoulder, but um, David Chang, because mm-hmm. David, he's like David Chang cooks with fucking French technique and he makes Asian food, and that's not how like this food is made. And he's like a really big advocate for you don't need to take these ethnic cuisines and elevate it. Like this food, there's nothing wrong with it. There's it has its own merits, and it, it, there's you don't understand it, and that's why you think it needs to be elevated. And if you understood and you appreciated this food for what it is you wouldn't feel like you needed to create an elevated version of any of this food right that's bullshit yeah and um the passion that goes into making these foods and these like you know these recipes and these things like there's a reason it's made the way it's made and you haven't taken the time to even understand any of that and you think you're making this like white man's facsimile or this fusion fucking bullshit right right Um, right so i just really resonated with the it's a really entertaining book. It's an interesting, like kind of coming of age story and someone kind of going off the rails, but then finding their way back in this really interesting way. Um, and just the way he like the passion that he has for food and the, like the ultimate pursuit of food and the not willing to like, he's like really willing to fucking speak his mind and draw a line in the sand at all times about like, all these fucking white people come to New York and they think that these are the best soup dumplings and fuck you. The best soup dumplings are three boroughs over at this place. And if you can eat a dick, you know, yeah, and like yeah. all the stuff. And it's the same way he approaches it's restaurant. Nice. Like, and it, it's not just white people. It's like all these Asian people would come in and be like, Oh, these bow aren't like my grandma used to make. And he's like, all right, there's a, uh, place right there for least across the street go open up a fucking restaurant and make it the way your grandma made if you yep. think it's so much better right across the street yeah. we'll see <laughs> yeah right. you know just like doesn't take any shit whatsoever yeah yeah um I, that sounds like my kind of guy yeah you would love this book honestly. yeah yeah fresh, oh i gotta fresh off the boat check it out yeah man really i will good. for sure don't don't fuck with the sitcom at all because what it does is like what's Oh, what I think- actually, I remember this now because he made headlines because he he, he was heavily critiqued, and then he was like, and he and then he came out immediately after. And he's like, you know what, people don't even fucking watch this thing. He's like, I know it's my story, but he's like, this thing's a piece of shit, right? right? Yes, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. right. The thing that I'm, like I find really annoying about it is the I uh, I've dated a Korean woman, and a lot of the stuff he talks about about the way his parents treat him and the pressure and even oh, the yeah. physical and mental sort of abuse 
is something that I know is the reality of a lot of ABC first generation kids that grew up here. Yeah. And of course they whitewash all that stuff right out of, they're not going to make a sitcom. It's basically like a straight up the road, traditional American sitcom. The only thing that's different is it happens to be a a Chinese family. Is it the dude from hangover movies? No, he's not in it. He has his own. That's another one. Yeah. Okay. Um, It's not the worst show I've ever seen. Um, and I watched it because of him. His Munchie show is pretty fucking good. The the ones where he goes to New York and fucks around. He goes to Detroit and hangs out with um, Danny Brown. Oh, yeah. The rapper who, you know, I have like a soft spot. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Who I bring up all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting. His, his Munchie show isn't like the most relevatory or amazing thing I've ever seen. But there's some... There's some it's more interesting than it isn't. It's maybe not the best sort of food show or food journalism I've ever seen. It's like more authentic and gritty, and he's constantly fo- smoking fucking pot. Yeah. In it. You know, that's like <laughs> something, all the Vice food documentaries. Yeah. It's like him and Action Bronson, they're like constantly fucking smoking pot and just eating awesome food. Yeah. Uh, but he hangs out with all these hip hop people and does all this stuff, but. It, yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, he does stuff in New York City, but in his book, he talks about way more interesting, like, the shit he talks about in the book, I'm like, writing all this stuff. I'm like, I have to go to these restaurants. Oh, if yeah. this is like the most legit soup dumplings in like the greater New York area, I've never even heard of this place. Like, I got to go there. there. So, right? Yeah. For sure. When do you, when, on the air, on, on the plane, is it, when do you listen to this thing? I was, I listen to this on the car and I listen to it when I'm like doing shit around the house, you know, you're fucking doing the dishes or doing whatever. You get headphones in? Um, or just on, on speaker or something? Both. I use like the little kind of Bluetooth speakers. Like a Bluetooth speaker? Yeah. Just, you know, run it through the phone or whatever. I listen in the car, you know, things like that. It, I mean, with an audiobook, because I don't, like, I only listen to it when I when I can't be reading a book. So I'm always reading a book. I've got a book and audiobooks going, and I'll probably finish like six books in the time I, you know. I finished the audiobook because I listen to the audiobook very much in fits and starts. Yeah, okay. Sometimes on airplanes, maybe. Probably not, though. I usually take usually the time reading. to read. Yep. Yeah. So. All right. Fresh well, off the boat. Fresh off the boat. All right. Um. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good one. Um. All right, so on my list, um. in general, like, this is super broad, but um, I've read... um. I've read the New York Times religiously since, you know, for 20 years, since I was like a freshman journalist student, journalism student, and um, I've always read it, and this year, 2015, was an unbelievable year for that paper. Like, anybody that follows it saw their content, like, go fucking apeshit. Like, they just upped their game. Like, anybody that, you know, in the years prior, like, it was like, oh, the internet, like, how are, you know, newspapers going to stay relevant? And the New York Times was just like, they decimated any sort of question of that in 2015. There was so much great shit. All their VR stuff that they started doing, that was in the second half of the year, but amazing storytelling. So are you talking about the online version then instead uh, of the print version? I am. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I am talking about the online version. Um, right. but I mean, but in general, like not necessarily, I wouldn't draw a distinction and say that it was, they're actually, so there's a ton of content on, in the digital, 
um, version that obviously doesn't exist in the print, like all yeah. the VR stuff, that yeah. vir- virtual reality. You know, they about two m- month and a half ago. Um, I only get the Sunday paper, and it came with the Google Glass. Um, not fucking Google Glass, but the um, Google Cardboard. The cardboard, Google Cardboard. Yeah. It came with one of those, and they had their first story. Their first VR story was a um, a refugee story, hmm. and it's amazing. It's you know, it was incredible, and they've had probably half a dozen since then that are in- amazing. But anyway, um, I just noticed like a rise in the quality of of writing in general. So 2015, wow. New York Times was amazing, and I think one of the the best things that they did all year was this article called "The Lonely Death of George Bell." Did you hear about this at all? Yeah, it, it's so. kind of it, it's on it's you know. Um, it was in the top 10 articles that people spent the most time with this year. Hmm. Um, and it was an article about, it's basically a journey down, um, the path of like, what happens if you live alone in New York and you don't have any family and you die. So it's like, it's basically, it, it was George Bell is a guy who lived in Brooklyn and was a kind of a hoarder and a loner and had no family and, you know, died in his apartment, neighbors called because they smell something, yep. cops show up, and then it takes over there, and it basically, t- it starts, and it's just the the mechanics of, of the city and how it deals with with dead people, you mm. know, and it's, and, and it takes you through all of it, and it, and it was, it's so great, like, because it's just one of those things where, you know, anybody that's ever, like, spent time in a major city probably remembers like their first time being in a big city and you look around and you're like, how the fuck does this thing keep moving? Like, like you just looking around, you're like, there's a toilet in every one of these fucking windows. Like where does, how do they deal with that much fucking sewage? Yeah. Or like how many people are going to die here today? You know? And like, where do they go? And like all those questions, like, you know, this story, like answered so many of them. It's so good. Yeah. So I'm not going to go super into it, um, but Lonely Death of George Bell. It's killer. Take 20 minutes and read it. It's not the same, but it reminds me of something I heard this morning. Um, There was a guy who went through the list of all the black men that were killed in Baltimore. And he wrote an article because as he was going through this list, he saw a name that stuck out to him, and it was the name Thelonious Monk. Uh, really? And it was this guy who was obviously not the Thelonious Monk. But the reason why this uh, stuck out, this name stuck out to this guy is because he had a personal connection. Um, he and his wife were going to go on vacation, and they dropped their car off at the mechanic to get some work done while they were away. The mechanic was just going to do this work and hold on to their car. And when they got back from vacation, they were going to get it. Well, someone fished the keys to the car out of the drop slot for the mechanic and took the car. Um, so they had this, like they had to get a rental car when they got back and they dealt with all this stuff. And eventually after like three, uh, three or four weeks, they got a call that his car was at the impound lot and he went to get his car. And it's funny because you're listening to this thing and you think, Oh, this is going to be one of those stories where it's like, someone's talking about how like America and black lives matter are talking about all these black men that are killed. And here's an example of this guy who is a criminal who stole my car. But what he, what this kind of like really surprising twist that this guy 
like said is so when i got to this car i got to my car i opened it up and felonious monk had uh installed a, a a baby seat and the back of the car was littered with job applications and no, there's all no, this stuff no, it was no. basically like here was this guy who like stole my car as this way of like trying to escape and make a better life for himself. Oh, and like, God. it was obvious that this guy never had a chance, you know, to oh actually my God the, you know, and it was this really touching, empathetic, um, and sort of beautiful picture of like, you don't, you just never know what is behind someone's life and kind of what not. leads them to, what you know do the things that they do and you know who are we to necessarily judge anyone i love that where'd you read this uh it was on npr this morning but it was an article that was written in for the baltimore newspaper okay one of their reporters wow oh that sounds great what else what else you got we're not gonna go too much long we're at an hour oh shit already (laughs) time flies by right but i want to hear what For else sure. you got what do you else you got cooking because we were talking about star wars so much yeah i know um I, okay so i talked about an audiobook i talked about fargo i'm gonna s- take a step into animation and mm. um this probably won't be on too many people's lists because you know um uh there's a show on um adult swim on cartoon network called rick and morty yeah are you familiar with the show well you turn me on to it <laughs> You turned me on to it. I, I've like been watching the show more and more, and I just think it's unbelievably I have brilliant. Too. Yeah, it is unbelievably brilliant. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's sort of like this buddy adventure series, but it's this like, uh, it's the the grandfather and the son, and the grandfather is this like alcoholic sort of genius inventor, and the son is this sort of like nerdy, scared. neurotic, scared sort of like side grandson he's the grandson the grandson yeah, yeah. so the grandson and the daughter and the son-in-law are just like kind of and the sister are just sort of like supporting characters that play a role every once in a while but really as you can imagine from the title of the show it's about rick and morty yeah uh, <laughs> it's I, genius i don't know rick <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> yeah exactly it's yeah and he's like yeah unbelievably genius he's always shit face he's always got like spit on his face yeah the spit or vomit yeah yeah but he's almost like it's almost funny because the fact that he invents all these genius things and takes them to these alternate dimensions and stuff it's just like it's it's like part of the joke it's not like treated as if it's amazing or anything at all it's just no like of course of course i have this thing that is like a what did, did you see the episode where it's the um he wants to just entertain the rest of the people while he and Morty go off on an adventure, so he gives them this thing that's basically like an alien species that grants any wish that you have. Yes, but, I did see then, that one. Oh my god. But then they keep having to multiply because uh the the dad of Morty, the son in law of Rick, decides that he wants to um bring down his golf game by eight strokes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep. And they, it's like the impossible thing that they can't do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> he, he won't listen like, to any of their advice. You need to do yeah. something very spe- – like, go get me a glass of water yeah. or something like that. And then the girl's like, make me more popular at school or something. Right. Like, gives it some weird thing. Yeah. yeah that, that cartoon's fucking hysterical. Yeah. That it's thing is good. It's really um, just pushing the bounds of any sort of nit- 
you know animated or otherwise like narrative show and it's it's like hysterical. A, a, a comedic sensibility that like i've just never seen before so. who who is responsible for it um the oh god the guy who's doing it is doing a bunch of other stuff now too it started um, as a youtube um like if you if you look um it started as like four or five minute youtube episodes you know just like super rough animated drawn looks like just you know like super rough um dan Harmon. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's been doing he's, a bunch of other stuff. Well, yeah. Well, and he's Justin no, he, Roiland. Dan Harmon is like, um, does he do Adventure Time too? I bet you, no. I, he does like something huge. Like he's not. It's not the Simpsons. Oh, Community. But, oh yeah, Community. Um, born the same year as me in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. There's something else too. Oh really? He's from Milwaukee. Yep. Anyhow, yeah. That that. Uh, that thing is hysterical. Yeah, really good. All right, uh, why don't you do? Oh, one right. more pick. Let's see. My last one is gonna be. Um, I do want to say really quick. We're not gonna. We've talked about it. You've talked about it plenty. Um, but I did want to tell you that um, on your recommendation, went and spent some time with Lieutenant Joe Kenda. Oh. Um, and those things were just, I listen, like when I do the dishes, like every night, like yeah. for a week over, over the holiday, I'd listen to two or three of them and I was just like, Oh my God, this is fucking so good. It's been on hiatus for like a month and a half and it's, it's killing, killing me. me too. Like oh I, I, like I've, I've been like two weeks now without one. And... So, so just to be clear, we're talking about, um, Lieutenant oh, Joe Kenda sorry, is on yeah. a show called Homicide Hunters. Hunters. Um, but what we're talking about specifically is there is a podcast called Detective. Yep. Um, and he talks about it is like your grandpa telling you stories about what it was like to be a homicide detective. And it is fucking brilliant. It is so good. He talks about it in a way with a level of expertise and in a way that you've never heard on any. Doesn't So for anyone who's an absolute fan of true crime or crime fiction, this is an absolute must listen to. Must li- they're between nine and seventeen minutes long, and it's it's shit like. I walked into the room, and I knew from the second that I saw him that he had been shot directly in the head, and that this was a homicide. Like, and he talks about how, you know, you see in the movies, you get shot with a shotgun, and you go flying back against the wall. He's like, in reality. He's like, every force has an equal and opposite. Like, he's talking, you know, he uses physics, and he's yeah. like, you, in fact, have the dead man's fall, and you fall forward when you get shot. And he right. has all this shit that you're like, oh, right. This is from a dude that has obviously done this thousands of times. Yep. So that one's killer, and I got, being jonesing for that, I started listening to Criminal. Yeah, Criminal's also really good. I think is yeah. I think that's really great. There was a recent episode about bank... A guy who's a bank robber and criminal that was really good. Really? I'm yeah. only 10 episodes in, oh, so yeah. I got like 20 to That's go. That's a really good show, too. Oh, I, I love it. I recommend that. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. All right. I I know we're running a little long, but I feel like I can't end this without talking about making of a murderer. Yeah, no, we got to talk about it. I mean, it's a cultural phenomenon at this point. Everyone's talking about it. Talk but to me. What, what's your What's your take? I, first of all, I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was too. really well done. You know, I grew up in not that far from. I know, and I was thinking of you when I was watching it. I was thinking of you, yeah. And during that time, and I don't remember that stuff from this. My mom, as soon as I brought it up to her, remembered it all exactly. 
and knew exactly. She was like, oh, yeah, good old Stephen Avery. and Really? Yeah, all that stuff. And I think what's – so I, I'm a big fan of the Paradise Lost documentaries. We've talked about the West Memphis Three uh, yep. before in the podcast. To me, it bears a lot of – I mean, it's even more bizarre <laughs> – than that because here you have this guy framed it as 18 years and he gets out and if it was like the west memphis three his story would have ended there but you know there's this bizarre twist to it that i won't even i mean at this point it's too it's it's so in depth yeah yeah. i mean i wouldn't be worried about spoilers so much that so after he gets out he's charged with the murder like pretty soon after getting out because he's suing the police department it's the the level of corruption i mean it's a roller coaster ride and i have to say like it let it left me just feeling it it leaves me and not that it's the job of fucking art to make you feel good all the time it's, it's certainly the job of this is to make you feel outraged and to make you pissed off mm-hmm. and it, i just felt like you know granted he had some money from the first wrongful um imprisonment case that went fast though it, yeah it did but at least he was able to hire a couple of the best that's the thing that the big difference between the West Memphis three and him is he was able to hire really good attorneys, at least for the second trial, mm-hmm. first trial, he got dicked and we see what happens with his young nephew when you don't Brendan. Get, and that's, was the other parallel as well. Cause the reason why they nailed the West Memphis three is cause they had this forced confession, forced confession from this also borderline 72 you know, IQ. Yeah, exactly. Complete bullshit. The amount of video that they have of those interviews and those coarse confessions and shit is amazing. Oh, well, listen, that's the thing, right? I mean, this is a courtroom drama, and it's it's like th- this these two women um, who were covering the um, acquittal. That was the original story. Is they were up right. there covering, holy shit, this guy was just wrongfully imprisoned for eighteen years and he's being released. And then it was like, okay, well, let's cover. We're gonna shoot, you know. We're going to tell the story of him in his civil case, filed yep. civil suit, and they lived in New York, and they were traveling yep. back to Wisconsin for a week, two weeks at a time, and um, and then it's like four or five days after the deposition of the people, of a couple members of the sheriff's department, then all of a sudden, this dead woman shows up. Right. Did you see the thing that just came out where he says that he thinks that his brothers did it? All right, so maybe this because because we could talk for three hours about right. this. Let's talk for a minute about the things like this that are not. I have not seen that about. Is that what Stephen Avery is saying? Is what Stephen Avery is saying yeah. is that he suspects his brothers? Yeah. Well, you know, there's tons of theories, and if you go, I mean, the, the Reddit threads are are you know, right are obviously all over the place. I have not heard the one about the brothers, um, though they are, they have other people have brought that up before, um, because he, it's hard to keep track of who's family and who's, who's related to who. And, right. um, t- tell me about this though. His brothers, do you... I mean, you see his brothers a little bit, they, they don't besides his parents and like his immediate family, they don't really, I mean, they have got a lot of shit to cover. I'm not faulting them for like not exactly making clear who's an uncle and who's a yeah, yeah. brother or whatever. But I, I don't have an entirely clear idea of, because there's like cousins and I don't okay, know. Okay. So it's, yeah. Well, who they, they could very, he could very well be talking about and who I have strong suspicions about is 
so Brendan's mother's ex-husband. Okay. So um Brendan's mother plays actually quite a big role in the, in in yep. the in the piece in yep. the, in the entire series. And her ex-husband is questioned briefly because he leaves to go hunting at roughly the same time as as oh right. Dassey's brother yep. does. Yeah. So he's very much and they have a big axe to grind with Stephen Avery. Right. And in in their testimony doesn't line up, and I don't want to get down in the weeds of this because we I went fucking crazy over shit. So as, I'm sure as did everyone, be some sort of follow up. Yeah. There has to be. Yeah. There has to be. Let, let's talk for a minute about stuff that like was not included in there because I think for that's a big thing. Obviously the you know the um the sheriff's department is is crime is screaming bloody murder that like and and it's fair like you know. Th- not everything was included. So I mean, there's got to be a, these uh, women must have had hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage to consider. Oh my god! Yeah. How in the hell? Even even doing it as a Netflix, if you tried to do it as a two hour documentary, it would have been even, you know, even th- even, even thinner. I mean, this yeah. is ten hours we're talking about, right? Um, but there is the fact that um, Avery called Auto Trader. Um, or he called her specifically the photographer and hit star 67 beforehand. And so she couldn't trace the call and, um, and called a number of times her specifically. And I don't remember what he said, but it wasn't, it wasn't fucking good. Uh, You know, I mean, there's a bunch of small things that were included in there. I don't, I don't necessarily know that, um, this guy's fully innocent. You know, it's kind of in that way. It's a little bit like serial. Like you don't know that it is. Yeah. That Adnan is, if he's guilty or not, like there's mm-hmm. some sketchy shit, but what you do know is like, it hasn't been investigated fully enough. And my like massive takeaway from the thing, I'm not going to sit and argue with, if someone wants to make a passionate case that Stephen Avery is a sketchy guy and maybe he did do this. That's great. What, is obvious is that that fucking confession from his nephew is complete and utter bullshit that they're those cops locking that place down for eight days is like a massive miscarriage of justice. And that if you're poor in this country and something like this happens to you more likely than not, you're completely fucked. It doesn't matter whether you did it or not. You are a hundred percent right on all three of those points. I couldn't agree more. And those, that's the big takeaway from this. Like, it's it's shocking that people are still able to get away with these coerced confessions. Like, how the fuck? What are you doing in that room without a fucking parent, a guardian, or a fucking attorney? Well, like, and also, what's the point of it? Yeah, well, that too. Like, you're I mean, so sure that these people are guilty that you're just willing to make them say whatever and make it up? Because if none of the ev- actual evidence corroborates what it is you're getting these people to say, you're just building a shit show for the DA. Exactly. And you're ruining everyone's chances. You're fucking the DA. How about the fucking blood vial? Oh, God. Golly. Well, also, do you know that, um, that, uh, you read the stuff about how the DA got busted for sexually harassing a abuse victim and all that stuff. Yep. Piece of shit. What a piece of shit that guy is. Oh my god! Yeah, he was he was sexting with a an abu- like a, a woman who was he was representing in a in a in a domestic violence 
yeah. case. And she had been and, physically and she abused. Pictures. She was all, she was fucking banged up. This chick. Yeah. And he's yeah, trying to get a it on. Serious with her. scumbag. And um, and they pinched him for uh, well, not for of pills. that. That the state of Wisconsin sat on that for a year and they didn't do anything about it until the AP. Yes, found that's out about exactly it. right. Yep. Because basically he was threatening them with, like, I'm not going to have anything to do with Stephen Avery's retrials and I'm not going to do the stuff and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they were like, oh, this is too much of a mess. Let's just sit on it. Yep. That is fucking embarrassing. It's super embarrassing. Oh my God. That thing, it, it's. Uh, Every fucking body is watching that. Like, I, yeah. I it's such a phenomenon, right? Yeah. It's crazy. We were, we were obsessed with it. When did you watch it? I watched it um, mostly in Costa Rica, and I think I finished it back here. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. Started on vacation. As soon as it popped up in the top carousel on Netflix, I was like, I'm checking this did out. Did you watch sure. it with Nicole? Uh, no. no. No, I just watched it solo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man, that was, that was a hell of an end of a year for Netflix. All right, so um, I mean, it's hard to not at least mention the jinx. It's been talked about so uh, much. Listen, I don't know I, that we that's need to talk about it anymore here. So but. on my list, I'd I'd like to talk about it probably at another point. I think. Well, actually, you know what? Let's let's talk about it again because his trial is coming up in a couple weeks. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, nice. actually, it's next week. It's on the eleventh. Um, wow. So, um, let's see what happens then, and, and we'll we'll I'll I'll make a note. We'll we'll talk about it again, but. Um, Beth had never seen it, so we rewatched it. We got, and she'd never, she'd never seen, um, she'd never seen Paradise Lost either. Right. So we finished making a murderer and she's like, I, like, she was just jonesing. And I was like, all right, well, here we go. Like, you get, you got to see Paradise Lost. Um, and, you know, it's, I mean, she was dumbfounded by that. And then, and then we watched the Jinx and. And I hadn't seen it in, I mean, a couple months. It's, it's not that old. I mean, yeah, it, you know, it's only five months old or so. Yep. Um, but I, I'm still just flabbergasted at the way it ends. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like he, it's literally, it's like documentary. Like you can't fucking believe it's from like a live mic in the bathroom. Like, holy shit! I mean, right? Yeah, it, it's a fucking. It's mind-boggling that that's the way that that went down. Yeah, it is crazy for sure. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, if we get all right. All let's right. just go. Let's just go real fast. Let's not even talk about it. Um, and we don't have to go into it. But favorite movie in 2015. I God, that, yeah, that's tough. What do you got? I got Ex Machina. Yeah, it's really good. It was. It may not be the best movie in 2015, but it was the. I got the most. It's it's notable for sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, Mad Max. Mad Max is widely regarded as the best movie of the year. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I I didn't see a lot of stuff in the theater. I watched a lot of stuff on planes. Yeah. Um, I almost had. A girl who walks alone at night on this list, but we've talked about that, right? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good stuff. It was a good year, man. Yeah, we were lucky. I've got books. I decided not to talk about any books in favor of just talking about shows and movies. But yeah, I and I recently just have stumbled across a um 
a whole string of books that are just blowing my mind. So every once in a while I go through these ruts where I'm like struggling to find a really good book. And I just came across like a string of 10 or 15 thanks to, um, lists by sites. Like there's a site called fantasy faction that just recapped the top, top 50 fantasy books of 2015. And it's a British site. So there's a lot of shit that comes from over there that I haven't heard of. And they do a really good job, um, going down the list. So, Thanks very much to people like them. Like okay. all of a sudden I've got this wealth of books that I've just like piled up on the Kindle that I'm trying to burn through as fast as possible. So. Oh, killer. Um, but yeah, there's some good stuff. Golden Sun, which I've talked about as part of this, the second yeah. book in this Red Rising trilogy. I can't recommend highly enough um, for anyone who likes um, darker sort of fantasy kind of war stuff. But this is a young adult book, so it's a pretty easy read. Um, the... Half a War, which is the conclusion of the trilogy by Joe Amber Crombie. I can't recommend highly enough. Um, I did have one food thing. This is kind mm. of a surprising thing, but um, one of the highlights food-wise for me locally this year was the kimchi ramen at Zenbox. Oh, yeah. Really good. It's killer. Yeah, I really liked it. Yep. Um, it's amazing. So That's why that's the best ramen in town. Yeah, I think so, kimchi too. Kimchi ramen at Zenbox. Yeah. Yep. Really good. Um so yeah, Din Tai Fung was uh, obviously a high point of the year for me. Yeah, and getting all the dumplings there, oh yeah, stuff. So yeah, it's good. I had some really good meals in Charleston. I know we talked about that back. Oh when yeah, I that's went right. There. Yeah, you did have some good meals there. Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, it was a good year. Yeah, so, I got a good feeling about this year yeah. too. Oh yeah, looking forward to more. Yeah, I'm thinking actually for my birthday this year which is kind of beginning of summer around May that I want to specifically take a trip to New York city and hit a bunch of these Eddie Wong food joints. Oh yeah. Like an Eddie Wong food tour of Fun. all these different Asian places that he recommends and stuff. And hit Peter Luger's. I've never been to Peter Luger's. Oh so. yeah. Yeah. My move there is lunch for the hamburger. Oh yeah. It's fucking unbelievable. Wow. I mean, go for the steak, obviously go get a steak, but yeah. for it, but just keep it in your head. Like if, if you, it's the only time you can't get a hamburger and it's not right. on the menu and it's unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that concludes episode 26. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks as always to Kaya Fisher for the audio assistance and we will catch you next time. Yeah. Happy new year, everybody. Happy new year.